0: Okay. How's it going, everybody? How's your pregnancy? What do you need? You guys know you can always DM me on Instagram at birth.story.academy. Like I love interacting with you guys. Send me a DM. Let me know what's on your mind. Today is the start of a two-part series, two parts of a story with Tallulah Duffin. You guys, she is vegan AF. You know what that means. Duffins on Instagram, on their YouTube channel. And we are here today to talk about being vegan in your pregnancy, vegan breastfeeding when there's no vegan formula, raising a vegan baby. If you are even remotely interested in learning about empathy and compassion for animals and why vegans are vegan and how to incorporate this lifestyle into your pregnancy and into your family, this is the episode for you. But it was so much content and so amazing that we had to do her birth story in part two. Sneak peek, the next episode, part two, Tallulah got freaking covid At 38 weeks gestation, her water popped and they wouldn't let me, her doula, come with her to the hospital. Level 1,000 devastating. But it's such a gorgeous birth story. So like dive into this episode all about entrepreneurship, all things South Africa, coming to the United States, opening up restaurants, being a vegan, how to incorporate like really essential things into your pregnancy and your vegan journey. I mean, it's a great episode. All right. Ready? Let's get to it. What does a contraction feel like? How do I know if I'm in labor? And what does a day of labor look like? Wait, is this normal? Hey, I'm Heidi, my best friends call me Hydes. I'm a certified birth doula, host of this podcast, and author of Birth Story, an interactive pregnancy guidebook. I have supported hundreds of women through their labor and deliveries, and I believe every one of them, and you, deserves a microphone and a stage. So, here we are. Listen each week to get answers to these tough questions birth story where we talk about pregnancy labor deliveries where we tell our stories and share our feelings and of course chat about our favorite baby products and motherhood and because I'm passionate about birth outcomes you will hear from some of the top experts in labor and delivery whether you are pregnant trying desperately to get pregnant or you just love a good birth story I hope you will stick around And be part of this birth story family. So like, let's say you're pregnant. That's why you're listening to the Birth Story podcast. And you're preparing for a hospital birth that's upcoming. And of course, this podcast gives you tons of free information, right? But like, do you really understand the stages of labor? How to know when you're in labor? What if you have to have an induction? What about a cesarean section? what about all of the decisions that you have to make once you get to the hospital? So you get there and then they put you in triage. Birth Story Academy walks you through all the things that happen like that rapid fire with like monitoring and blood work and questions and IV ports. And do you want an epidural? I don't know. Do you? In Birth Story Academy, we literally break down all of those decisions pros, cons, risks, benefits, intuition. And like we get into it. We make birth plans. We do birth visions. We listen to birth affirmations and parenting affirmations. And like at the end of it, like you know exactly what's going to happen when you go into labor and when you get to the hospital. What's gonna happen after you give birth? Newborn care preferences. How to take care of your baby. I guess what I'm getting at is If you're not in Birth Story Academy, what's your plan? I want you to come join me in Birth Story Academy and let me walk you through all of the decisions that you have to make if you're having a hospital birth and how to have body autonomy and how to have informed consent and informed refusal. I'm gonna teach you and your partner, if you have one, everything that you need to know about birthing in a hospital so that you can walk in that door with some swagger, with some confidence, wash that anxiety away, Because you learned everything you needed to learn in Birth Story Academy, and you are ready to crush that birth. Okay, let's do it. And let's get to this episode. Hey, Tallulah. Welcome to the Birth Story Podcast. Thank you for having me. (laughs) I am very excited to have you on today to be talking about being a vegan, having a vegan pregnancy, raising a vegan baby. Maybe babies, wink wink, in the future, <laughs> so I can try to be your your doula again. And um, we're gonna tell your amazing birth story about you and your partner, and coming down with COVID and in the middle of COVID, and then going into labor. So this is gonna be a great episode, Tallulah. I'm really excited. Let's start off with just a little bit about who you are and the background of your businesses.
1: Yeah, so I'm Salooa, and I'm married to Richard, and Daisy Moon is our first little baby. Uh, we originally South African, so we 100 South African. We moved to the states. It's almost going to be three years. Um, actually, this month is three years. So yeah, we moved with a little bit of a. Uh, purpose. We wanted to try and live a more purposeful life, should I say. So uh, we are actually coming from a medical background of hair restoration, and we have always had a passion for food. And back when we decided to go vegan, uh, we just kind of realized in south africa being such a huge meat loving um country there just wasn't there wasn't any food options and literally literally, unless you went home and made yourself something and you know there's nothing you could just pick up from the shop or you could just order online or you know going to a restaurant it just it didn't exist at all so we kind of saw that there was a gap but most importantly you know if we struggled to go vegan how on earth were other people um you know, gonna try and transition to veganism if, you know, they couldn't buy anything. And I'm talking about just even a carton of almond milk. You know, it was really yeah. hard to find. It was at a certain specific store. So um, we opened up the first vegan restaurant in Kuzulu Natal in South Africa. It was supposed to be like a little coffee shop and attendance, a full blown restaurant. <laughs> so, um, yeah, we opened that up and uh, we absolutely loved it. We had the most amazing response. And um, just that feeling of living a kind of more purpose-driven, making a difference and, you know, planting the seed and educating others. Um, it, just, it just it felt good and we wanted to do more of it. So we had the opportunity to either expand more out in South Africa or, you know, to go overseas and see how it would go over here. My brothers lived in um, Charlotte, North Carolina back then for about six years. So we've traveled quite a bit, but we thought, you know, it would be easier to go somewhere where we had a little bit of family, just a little bit of support um, because everybody needs support. So we branched out and it was it was a really difficult, challenging process. But nonetheless, we managed to set our hearts in Noda, which we absolutely love now. It is uh, It fits us to the T, super eclectic, kind of creative, artsy. I don't know. There's just kind of like a sense of freedom in Noda. Um, yeah. Yeah, it feels good. So uh, we kind of went out on a wing and a prayer and we uh, secured a location and then that's where Omasol kind of birthed from for the USA. So, yeah, we opened that up and it was um yeah it was pretty, pretty really good. Know being South African and being vegan um we had an amazing response uh, now nah, today 98% of all of our customers are not vegan and that was the goal because it's very well to have vegan customers but then you know we're not kind of um putting it out there or transitioning new people or planting the seed so knowing that it means we're kind of doing something right so um, yeah we've got a huge outdoor space we opened 10 days before covid so that was just like the nail on the head Hilarious. so yeah 10 days before <laughs> covid um, we couldn't have any indoor seating and um, we had to pretty much adapt so we closed down the inside we um opened up our patio which is like 150 seater patio and uh, we have a full-on bar out there. It's a bit of like a tiki-style bar, or one that you would find in South Africa. And um, yeah, that's how we did COVID. And we kind of just triumphed through it the whole way. I think a lot of people got into a negative mindset where they were like, oh, what now? Whereas, you know, I think being South African and where we're from, we just like exceptionally hard kind of work is we just, you know, in South Africa, we say like, we mock fuss. And that means like we just get through it. And that's what we did. And, um, you know, now today without the COVID, we do live music out there. Um, it's, it's really beautiful. We have herb gardens and, you know, people come there for an experience. We've actually got a full-on deli inside. We do the most amazing like vegan cheeses and all those things that um, non-vegans really struggle with in terms of the transition. And, um, yeah, so that's where omasol is now. We're actually busy expanding up to Uptown. That's going to be the next one. So that's how we came to Charlotte. Um and yeah, we're loving it at the moment. And uh, we miss home a little bit, but we are trying to really, really push spreading this vegan wave of just love, empathy, and compassion with these Oma souls.
0: Yeah, you are spreading love, empathy, and compassion. Few questions. South Africa is a giant country. So, what specific yeah. city or cities um, are you from? And where is the original Oh My Soul in South Africa?
1: My husband was born in Johannesburg and I okay. was born in Durban. But so we kind of got this thing of once you've lived somewhere for 10 years, you can officially say you are from that province. So we are Durbanites through and through. So we're from the beach. It's a coastal town right on the tip. And um, that is where soul is to in Durban North, um, literally almost on the tip of Africa.
0: Oh, awesome. The audience yeah. here, Tallulah, knows that like over the course of... I don't know, almost 200 episodes now. I've shared my journey of going to South Africa and playing soccer there for two years in a row in 29 and 2010 as we got ready for the World Cup and then was able to go all over the whole country And watch tons of soccer games at World Cup South Africa 2010. And so it was really wonderful to have gone to Durban and to Johannesburg and to Cape Town and to really hang out in your beautiful home country. And so when you said at the beginning, like it's really a meaty place, I mean, I was introduced to like, Eating meats I'd never eaten before. That's how meaty South Africa is. Like, they're like, Would you like some springbok? Would you like some ostrich? You know, some really interesting flavors and spices, especially to accompany the meat. And so I am just very curious how did you and Richard, like, where did the concept of being vegan even come from? How does that start for someone or for you guys?
1: So we have dogs, we have four dogs that we actually saved and brought over with us. So I think that if you have a dog and you experience that loyalty and love, you are a dog lover. And then that kind of branches out into an animal lover. And for us, um, there's a very big difference. We're not plant-based, we're vegan. A lot of people get mixed up between the two. So plant-based is you do it for health reasons, but sometimes you'll eat fish, sometimes you'll have some cheese, you know, that kind of thing. So we vegan, we do it for the empathy. And we reap the benefits of the health. So uh, we are hundred percent vegan for the animals. We do it for the compassion. And um, we just, you know, we feel that you know to not inflict pain and suffering on another being is something that everybody should kind of be striving for. Especially in the twenty first century, when there's such amazing alternatives. Um, my husband will tell you, you've seen him how he's really big, athletic, guy, rugby player. And um, like you said, we brought up in a meat culture, so it's. Like bra flayes, so that would be something like a barbecue, but bigger cuts of meats, like big steaks and chops and that kind of thing. So one signature thing in South Africa is boudebous, and that's um, a specific uh, sausage that we make. And a lot of the casing is made out of like an intestine, and the spices are a a coriander, a lot of black peppercorns and cloves, etc. So um, you know, this is how we brought up. But like you said, lots of spices, anything that you spice or flavour is going to taste good so meat without spice and herbs and stuff doesn't really taste like anything so that goes along with you know what we kind of do it on our soul is we make the most amazing for um the South Africans come there and they're like no way that this is vegan so we've kind of mastered it that's something super signature and then we make the deruvos which is the um the biltong, the dried you know in America they'll say jerky but you know we're all kind of passionate about what we do so we always say like no it's so much better but um it's really really good we use like a mild vinegar in there so we also make that at on our soul so we do a lot of meat alternatives because if that's what people want that's totally fine we can give that to you but without there being an animal involved so when I went vegan I was vegetarian first um, my husband wasn't vegetarian at all and then um, one day we went to church and they were doing this dress and the guy was talking about you know purpose-driven life and he was saying that you know, how do you find it? And he said, well, what, what rocks your world? And I'll never forget sitting in the chair thinking animal cruelty rocks my world. Like I, I just can't stand it. And that's, that's pretty much where it, it never left me. It always, it was in the back of my mind. Like, so you can do more, you can do more. And that's kind of where it birthed from. And then the one day I am the type of person I do expose myself to see what's going on. I don't believe in being an ostrich and sticking my head in the sand. So I watched earthlings and it was, um mind-blowing for me um it's something that you can watch on youtube and that just shows what goes on today and um you know especially being a mom now when I watch the dairy industry oh my goodness it, it broke my soul just watching those mommies so um I woke up and I said to my husband that's it I'm, I'm going to be I'm going vegan I'm going to try it you know and he looked at me and he was like wow that's like really extreme to do, do you think you can do it and you know I'm I'm an Aries I'm really like. If I'm going to do something, I'm going to do it. Like, watch me. And he's also an Aries. So he was like, okay, well, don't make me anything different. You know, I'll just go with the flow. And that was it. That was the end of it. We never looked back. And we realized, actually, it's not that hard. It's just this kind of stigma attached to it that you're giving up so much. But, you know, in the beginning, it wasn't really yours to take, was it? So it's just more of a mind thing. And I think the biggest thing where people struggle is making that emotional connection. Once you make an emotional connection of, you know, uh, beings feelings and, you know, they cry out real human tears like us, et cetera. Like once you know that you can't, I know it. And that was the big thing for us. Like now my husband is the biggest, like he will speak to anybody, and a- anyone about it because he will always be the first to say like, I was the biggest meat eater, you know? So we're not perfectly so far from it, but we just try and be like real and raw and open because, you know, it was a journey for us and we love to, you know, help others on it.
0: Yeah. I think what you're doing is very beautiful. I am not vegan. I'm one of your customers. Um, you guys, Oh My Soul is actually like four blocks from my house. So it's just like this amazing happenstance that I can just even walk there. I have had your biltong, a lot of your amazing pastries, your chicken, I'm not air quote, chicken nachos are fantastic. And the one thing that stands out to Lula, because I was kind of nervous to eat like something vegan. I was thinking... There's no way this could possibly taste good. You guys, this is my absolute favorite restaurant in Charlotte, North Carolina. I know you're listening from all over the world, but if you come to the US, if you come to the United States, you should put North Carolina and Charlotte and specifically Noda. That's North Davidson, that's our arts district. We have lots of cool little like breweries and shops and like, I mean, a crazy amount of good restaurants. But oh, my soul is at the top, and it's the flavor. So, Tallulah, I would like you to share. I'm just so curious. Like, whose recipes are these? What spices are you using? Like, the whole city is literally on fire over here because other vegan restaurants have tried. They don't even come close, right? Like, it is the best. I would choose this food over any restaurant in Charlotte, hands down. It is so good. You have no idea. It's if you go into it with that intention, with that emotional connection and that empathy. But like you said, 98% of your customers are just showing up for really good food. And then we're learning while we're there about why we're eating the types of food that we're eating. So like, how does it taste so good?
1: I think the spices have got a lot to do with it. Everything is, we try and be like 100% authentic. So a lot of it is like my grandma's recipes. And then a lot of it is my recipes because I've always been, I've always loved cooking and baking and, you know, it's in the South African household back home. That's like something huge that, you know, it's its just in our culture. So um, we make a lot of the spices and um, uh, mixes ourselves. for example, built mix and a bourgeois mix, et cetera. And um that is kind of the key to the flavor. We do like spicy food, but a lot of people think like spicy means hot, like blow your brains out. It's not. Spicy means flavor. So um, we use a lot of birds eye chili that we import um, and we make a house peri-peri sauce, which is in a lot of our um, which is in a lot of our items and obviously it's house-made, really, really good ingredients, but that birds actually is something that you get in South Africa everywhere you go. So a lot of people are closed minded and they come there for like, you know, I just want something really bland. And I'm just like, oh my gosh, we have nothing bland. <laughs> <laughs> so then I always like, you know, we'll put a sauce on the side and be like, just be open-minded, just try it. And so gonna come back and be like, oh my gosh, can I buy a bottle of that, you know? Yeah. But um, the funny part is that, um, we have an amazing bar with um, amazing cocktails honestly like to die for cocktails I and mean, we do a lot of south african wine and a, a lot of the cocktails um we've actually now brought in for example like Inverash gin which is so good if you've ever tried it in south africa but a lot of people say they don't coming to eat especially the guys and then they get to have a few drinks and then they're like oh gosh i'm getting a bit hungry you know, I'm sure I'll find something inside, you know, because they're not vegan. They come in and they buy, for example, those nachos are like huge. But they'll do nachos or they'll do a Gatsby, which is our, um, our version of like a Philly cheesesteak and they'll go and they'll like be eating their fingers and they're like oh my god that's so good and then lo and behold the next week and they'll be there with all their buddies you know and now they're like trying to convince their buddies and they're like I promise it's vegan but it's good <laughs> and it's, it's just so funny it's so good to see because you know we laugh about it but um it's just, I don't know why humans have just got we're so closed minded, like we're so scared to try things when like we've got nothing to lose, you know? So um a lot of the a lot of the customers have been with us for a long time and they appreciate, you know, the flavors. And you know, I don't think there is anything like it in Charlotte, and that's what we're trying to do is be different you know we're always trying to push the bar or be out there especially in terms of veganism we've actually introduced we launched a new menu and we brought on a lot of like seafood alternatives now we kind of listen to what the customers want and it's been going incredible like loving it people are loving it so um yeah I mean it's always even for us you know we people will be like how long have you been in the restaurant busy uh, business for and I'm like well five years you know <laughs> we've been doing it for years so we're still learning along the way we're just trying to keep really true to ourselves you know and along with it people don't even realize they're contributing to you know more of a compassionate world which we absolutely love
0: yeah. Well, so again, you guys, if you come to Charlotte, you have to stop by Oh My Soul. It's amazing. One of my favorites is that mozzarella sticks and they That's happen so to be gluten-free. That's another yeah. thing I really appreciate about the Oh My Soul menu is not only is it vegan, so much is gluten-free. And so for those of us with celiac, it's a really easy stop and introducing, um, you know, ways in which to eat, you know, we shouldn't be eating meat every day. We know that. Um, So just really introducing ways to like incorporate that empathy and that compassion for animals into our daily life. And just also to like, like you said, the added benefit is a plant-based, you know, diet, which is very healthy for you. So everything you're doing is amazing. And where, How are you? How are you? where we're going with this story, you guys, is this is going to lead into the craziest birth story you've ever heard in your life, right? <laughs> Seriously, we're going there. And I was her doula-ish, you know? We're going to say ish <laughs> on that. So you open this 10 days before COVID, and then at some point, you get pregnant, okay? Yeah. Had you thought about being pregnant and vegan and what that like how what, what what your body would need and what your baby would need like how did you come to that like i'm going to be vegan throughout my pregnancy and i'm going to raise a baby purely vegan so for me it, to be honest it was it was never even a question it was like literally
1: a no brainer i think a lot of people um around me m- more so asked me the question of Oh, are you gonna remain vegan, or are you gonna raise your baby vegan? You know, and for me, you know a lot of people think vegan is a diet like oh no, vegan is a lifestyle. We eat, breathe sleep, veganism. So um, you know, I knew my body was healthy, and I always try and live a balanced kind of lifestyle in terms of what I eat and in terms of moderation. and um, I knew if I was healthy, my baby was gonna be healthy, so, um falling pregnant was an exceptionally exciting thing for us. So when I did fall pregnant, I think um, the first thing I did in that step was the prenatals just to make sure. But finding a good vegan prenatal, well, that was another story. But um, I did manage to find one, and that was uh, the mama bird. I can't recommend it enough. Honestly, anybody who is vegan or wanting a more natural supplement. And they also do the DHA, uh, which is uh, made from a seaweed. Um, that, and the, along with the pregnant, I used it my entire pregnancy, even after I gave birth and it was amazing.
0: Let's link to that in the show notes, the mama bird. I'm so glad yeah. that you mentioned DHA with seaweed. I'm going to simmer there for just a moment. I have a lot of clients that take a fish oil and then they don't understand why they're having trouble nursing. And I'm like, cause your breast milk tastes like fish. fish. It doesn't yeah. taste the way it's supposed post-taste, which is like a sweet, creamy milk. If y'all have never tasted breast milk, you know, (laughs) watch some of my Instagram stories because I have had the breast milk of my clients who were positive for COVID in hopes of uh, getting some immunity. (laughs) So (laughs) it should be very creamy and very sweet. It should not smell or taste like fish. So the seaweed um, or a plant-based DHA is very important, vegan or not. So the mama bird, we're going to link to that. I think that's so important. That's like your first big Tallulah tip right there for pregnancy yeah. and so did your midwife have any issues with um like did, did they raise any concerns about continuing a vegan diet in pregnancy yeah for sure I think um
1: <laughs> I think the moment that I told them that I was vegan immediately it was like what do you eat that literally was the, that literally was the next question and um I kind of prepared myself for it and and Rich, he was with me. And um, I said to Rich, well, you know, they're going to gun us about what we eat, you know. And he was like, that's such BS, you know, because you don't, people who are not vegan are not technically healthy and people who are vegan too are not technically healthy. You know, we could eat just like frozen processed food, you know. I expected it. So um, I just, I kind of mentally prepared myself that no matter where I was going to go, People were going to ask me these questions because I was vegan, right? So um, I told her that I was vegan, and Nia was like, Well, what do you eat? What? Okay, so what did you eat yesterday? What's your, and to be honest, I was so sick with morning siblings. I couldn't even. Think about food, so I basically walked through you know what I'd normally eat: a lot of smoothies, lots of green stuff, a lot of vegetables, and then we eat a lot of like black beans, lentils. Um, we do amazing kale salad. I think Rich lives off kale salad, but um, you know, a balanced of So loads of fruits. I love fruits. I love all fruits. So good. Um, so I went through it, and immediately she started talking to me about iron and um, iron infusions. So um, I was like, wow, we haven't even done any tests like no blood work blood work and we are already there you know so I I didn't I didn't really appreciate that because I was just like wow it's showing me your lack of knowledge when it turns you know when it comes to veganism I see so many um even moms commenting on doula groups or just birthing groups or what to expect saying oh my iron except is exceptionally low or I'm anemic you know what can I eat and immediately people are gunning for all the iron rich foods when people forget like so iron needs to be absorbed, right? So you need um, vitamin C to be able to absorb iron Else, You can eat all the iron food that you want, but it's not going to be absorbed. And the mm-hmm. thing, so people kind of forget about that. So, you know, the vitamin C would be like your strawberries and your broccolis and that kind of thing. So, you know, I'm pretty much well-educated ed- on all of that stuff. When you are vegan, I think it's it's part of the journey to, you know, to obviously be healthy and uh, eat nutrient um, dense foods so you know I was very calm when she spoke to me about it I said to her you know I'm infusion I don't think I need one I'm not anemic um, you know and she was like oh well we'll do the blood work and we'll see you know pretty much like kind of saying oh well I know better um, you probably are going to need one and you might need two um, one closer to I think it was the 23 or 24 pregnancy uh, week pregnancy mark and one earlier on I was very calm though, because I always think to myself, like, I know my body better than anybody else. and I know I don't need it. Even though it's not a bad thing to have if you do need it. It's just, you know, the, just the kind of stigma that bothered me, you know, how she went there. But um, yeah, and then uh, she was like, oh, you know, are you taking any iron supplements, which um, if you don't know, if you take iron supplements, uh, supplements for too long, they can actually become toxic in your body and you shouldn't take them unless you need them you should rather try and get iron rich through your diet you know so um yeah that was a big one for me she just gunned me about the food 24 7 but then the crazy thing was she walked out the room and I had a nurse pop her head around the corner and she was like oh my God, I recognize your accent. And I was actually in an OB that was 45 minutes away from where I lived. So completely not in the area of oh My Soul or, you know, and I don't know a lot of people in Charlotte. I mean, we're pretty new. And she was like, you guys own oh my Soul. She's like, I go there all the time. And it was almost like, I swear God sent her as like my little angel that day because then she always made sure that she was my nurse when I went there. She just took a great liking to us. And I don't know what she said to that OB, but that OB definitely kind of changed her tune afterwards when she came back. And she was like, oh, my nurse was saying that you own a restaurant. And all of a sudden I was like, oh, now you kind of like are respecting, you know, me and what I'm saying. So it's just crazy how the universe works. But
0: yeah. That you but, um, understand yeah, if you're after, if you're after
1: pregnancy, they did do, I think, um, I think they checked my um, hemoglobin, I think four times and every single time it was above
0: normal yeah and your ferritin yeah. too those are two things that they usually check too your yeah. iron and then your iron stores because i see on your menu these smoothies that include these iron rich greens partnered with the vitamin c rich fruits like not only are you preparing it for your own body in pregnancy you're offering it on your menu to other people who are coming in to oh my soul for nutrition you know? Yeah. hundred percent. So wonderful. Okay. So in pregnancy, here you are, you're growing Daisy moon. You're, we've gotten through the whole, you know, OB midwife thing. What I hear from you to is that you just have to be armed with advocacy. You have to be yeah. smarter than the provider about your own body and about your nutrition. And that's really important. If you can even decline those tests, you know, that's up to, you can, I always say no one can do anything to your body without your consent. So it sounds like you consented to the tests even though that you knew that your hemoglobin and your ferritin stores were fine and your body is great but I just want to encourage everyone too like if you feel good and you don't want to take those tests you also don't have to by any means. Um I do like your recommendation of being on a prenatal and a plant-based DHA. I think that's wonderful. What type, you said you were very morning sick though. So what were you nourishing your body with? Like when she said, what were you eating? For those vegans out there, those aspiring vegans that are thinking about pregnancy or that are pregnant, what are some of the foods that like you really nourished your body with in pregnancy, especially when you were suffering from morning sickness?
1: So uh, to be honest, in the beginning, I could barely stomach anything. Um, It was really, really hard. But I think once you reach that, like, week three, four, it kind of gets a little bit better. For me, it was more the the nausea than anything and the smelling. So, obviously, I'd go to the restaurant and I'd smell things that I love and I would want (laughs) to (laughs) die. But um, getting to that week three and four, I found, like – foods that had a very, almost like your diuretic foods that had a very high water content, those were great. So I eat like a lot of um, watermelons, like I said earlier, like loads of fruits. So I'd live in that and then I'd make smoothies into it. And um, you want to kind of avoid anything with super strong flavors like your celery and that kind of stuff, because it is overwhelming when you when you are nauseous. Um, and then I would add a lot of like ice chips into the smoothies. So um, your green smoothies, I would do like your pineapple, I would do some like a little bit of mango, I'd put some protein powder in there Um, and then I'd do like a little bit of spinach or kale so it was like really discreet Um, and then I would basically blend that up with the pine milk, I'd try and do something really bland like an oat milk or an almond milk and that's what I'd kind of sip off during the day just to kind of keep really um, hydrated. Cause I knew that my body had enough in the beginning, you know, for me to be okay. It was just a phase that I was going to get through. And then once I was through, I could concentrate more on what I was eating. But in the beginning, it's more of a survival mode of just getting through that, you know, that nausea and that vomiting. It's really hard. But the main thing for me was just to keep hydrated. So like I said, super, super um, loads of water and then. Uh, fruits and stuff that have really high water content was my absolute go-to. And um, yeah, I got through it after four weeks. It was literally like a switch and then I was okay.
0: Yeah. (laughs) Amazing. Thank you for listening to birth story. My goal is you will walk away from each episode with a clear picture of how labor and delivery might go and that you will feel empowered by the end of your pregnancy to speak up Plan and prepare for the birth you want, no matter what that looks like.